You are listening to DNA Discoveries, Stories of Finding Family. I'm your host, Edward Looney, and today I'm very excited to be having a conversation with another individual who reached out to me and said, I would like to share my story with your podcast community. And that's how these episodes come about. So if you would like to share your story, please reach out to me by email at dnadiscoverypodcast at gmail.com or you can head on over to the show website, dnadiscoveries.fireside.fm and use the contact form page on the host website. On today's episode, you'll hear the story of a gentleman who uh, discovered that his ethnicity was not what he thought and how he came about finding out the identity of his father. Let's meet Bob. Uh, a couple of years ago, my son, who was at the time about 15 years old, was taking a science class which involved uh, heredity and genetics. And Christmas was coming, and he says, hey, can I get Ancestry DNA for Christmas? Like, sure, that's an easy $50 present. Uh, yeah, we'll order it. So we get him Ancestry DNA for Christmas, and he spits in the tube, and he sends it in. And a couple weeks later, he gets the results, and we're logging into the computer. And... Uh, you know, we're, we're Italian. My father was Italian. My father, I mean, he looked like he could have been a star of the Sopranos. I mean, he had the olive skin, the dark hair, the Italian nose. And uh, I look more like my mother, who was Polish, Swedish, German. Uh, my son gets the results back, and we're looking through it. And it's like, well, wait a minute. There is not an Italian name in this bunch. And his DNA is showing very little Italian but a whole lot of Irish, English, Scottish. Uh, it's not making any sense. So at that point, I'm kind of looking at my wife funny going, hey, wait a minute here. <laughs> he's my kid. He looks just like me, but he's not coming back Italian like me. So uh, it, it was interesting, but it was new technology. So we weren't quite sure how reliable it was. Uh, a couple weeks later, my daughter, who is from my first marriage, and she's 10 years older than my son, uh, she orders Ancestry DNA, and she doesn't. Well, sure enough, the results come back that they are brother and sister, actually half-brother and sister, uh, and she's not Italian either. She's a quarter Irish. So I'm like, well, wait a minute. <laughs> either both of my wives had an affair with the same guy 10 years apart, or something's not quite right here. So I send off and I get my test. And I spit in the tube and I send it in and sure enough, it comes back that I do not have a drop of Italian in me. I am 50% Irish. I'm like, wow. Okay. So at this point in my life, um, I think I'm about 51, 52 years old. Uh, both of my parents are dead. Uh, no brothers and sisters, no aunts or uncles. The only family I have is my three kids. Uh, so I don't know where to go. You know, I just I'm realizing my father wasn't my father. You know, where do I go? Where do, where do I look for answers? Uh, I'm scratching my head. I'm actually I'm going through mom's high school yearbook because she got pregnant when she was 20, I believe. Uh, so I'm going through her high school yearbook, trying to, you know, looking for somebody that looks like me with an Irish name. I don't I don't know where to turn. After a few weeks, the light bulb goes off. I go, huh, mom's best friend from high school is still alive. She's in a nursing home down in Delaware. Right. And I have her daughter's number. So I call up her daughter and I explain the situation. Right. 
And she goes, well, let me reach out to mom you know, and talk to her. So sure enough, my phone rings about an hour later, and it's mom's best friend calling me from the nursing home. And I said, okay, here's the deal. I did ancestry DNA. I'm not Italian. I'm Irish. Jerry was not my father. All right. Who was? And she goes, oh, yeah, it was mom's high school boyfriend, Joe. And she gave me his full name. Like it was nothing. <laughs> like, why? She goes, oh, yeah, it was Joe. But he died in 2003. Like, okay. <laughs> but she gave me his name and when he died and where he lived and all that. So I, you know, I do some Google stalking and some Facebook stalking. And sure enough, I find uh, his son and daughter, right, pictures of them. And the one picture of the two of them as little kids sitting on his lap, I'm like, oh, my God, that guy looks exactly like me. Oh, wow. And that was it. Was like, it's like, wow. Yeah. <laughs> That's him. Oh, my God. Yeah, that is my biological father. So I sent a Facebook message to both of his kids, which I now realize were my half-brother and half-sister. I send Facebook messages to them, say, hey, you know, your dad and my mom were friends back in high school. You know, can you give me a call and give him my number? And a little while later on, my phone rings and it's the son and <laughs> Joe the third. And we're talking a little bit. And I just said, you know, hey, your dad and my mom grew up together. They dated back in high school. I said, and I just got done doing a DNA test. And he said, are you my long lost brother? Wow. <laughs> he anticipated. Do you think he knew that? Or do you think he was just joking? Or why well, do you think said, he said that? I said, yeah, I think I am. He goes, we always expected there was a couple more out there because dad was a bit of a player when he was a kid. So we're not surprised to find other siblings out there. <laughs> like, okay. All right. I said, yeah, you know, I think we're related. Yeah. So uh, friend him on Facebook and friend uh, my half sister on Facebook and, you know, bedtime, go to bed. I wake up the next morning and I have uh, half a dozen friend requests from all these people with Irish last names. <laughs> and it ends up uh, I was friended by my biological father's brother, sister, you know, the whole the whole gang. Uh so I spent the next day on the phone talking to, you know, this Irish family I didn't know I have. Uh, and I'm on the phone with, and now I call him Uncle Mike. I'm on the phone with Uncle Mike, and he's filling me in on uh, my father and, you know, what he did for a living, how, where he grew up, that sort of thing, you know, his life. And, uh, you know, when he died and uh, we're talking for a while, and he goes, oh, yeah, you don't know about your grandmother. I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, oh, your grandmother's still alive. <laughs> like, what? He goes, oh, yeah, she's 99 years old. She's living in a nursing home right down the street from me. I'm like, wow. He said, you want to meet her? I'm like, uh, hell yeah. What a and surprise for her. Day. Oh, my God, yeah. Yeah, and that was Memorial Day weekend. So uh, by 4th of July, we were on the other side of the country visiting. So I got to meet my grandmother for the first time. Uh, and once the rest of the family heard that myself and my part of the family was heading out there, they all came. So uh, it was at Uncle Mike's house, but then my bro my half-brother, my half-sister, they came out, an aunt and uncle came out, my stepmother. 
Uh, so my Irish father's wife came out. So we had a big old family reunion, and I got to meet my grandmother for the first time at 99 years old. Yep. I apologize for missing out on 51 Mother's Day cards, but uh, sure. <laughs> but we had a very we had a very nice meeting. Yeah, and she would look at me. She would just stare me in the eye. She go, "You." She's 99, and she was very happy, uh, but she had kind of uh, dementia or Alzheimer's going on, uh, and she would just look at me. She go. You have beautiful eyes, just like my Joe. <laughs> <laughs> did you just yeah. see her the one time, or did you go and see her more than that? Uh, so I saw her that time, and then we had a 100th birthday party for her a year later. Uh, we went out for that. And then because of COVID, they moved her back to the East Coast to be closer to family. And I think I was able to visit her here once, and then she passed away about two years ago. Okay. Well, yeah. what a... I did get to see her a couple times. Yeah, what a complete, you know, full circle type thing where, you know, you are able to meet uh, the the matriarch, really, of, of the family that now you've become a part of. And uh, right. to hear that they welcomed you with such open arms. And I, I'm curious, so he makes that comment about, well, we always thought there were more out there, maybe. Uh, have there been any other discoveries of brothers or half-brothers or sisters or anything like that? Or are you the only one? I'm the only one that's popped out of the woodwork so far. Okay. Uh, I do check my ancestry DNA and my 23andMe uh, every week or so, but no, nobody else has popped up. So it came to you as yeah. a surprise that you were, <laughs> you know, kind of this non-paternal event, as they call it, an NPE. Right. Uh, you always assumed you're Italian. You grow up in a home with an Italian father. And then you find out you're Irish, which changes how you celebrate St. Patrick's Day, I'm sure. But uh, curious then, so what was the story growing up? It was just that he was your father and there, there was no ambiguity, no question about that. That was just what you always knew, I guess. Uh, it was. We, so the way I refer to it is I had my Italian father, my Irish father, and my stepfather. And my stepfather pretty much raised me. Uh, but unfortunately, he died at 58 years old when I was only 30. So we didn't get to spend that much time together. Uh, but my Irish father and my mother got married when mom was pregnant and were divorced before I was even in first grade. So they were not together very long. And he and I always had a strained relationship to the point where we broke off all communication when I was about 19 and never spoke again. Sure. So, you know, yeah. So I was Italian. I thought I was Italian. My father was Italian, but we had no communication. And in the end, yeah, we weren't even related. Crazy. And just to think that it comes about all because your 16-year-old son is in this high school class and asks uh, for a Christmas gift of Ancestry DNA, one of the many autosomal DNA test kits available out there. Now, what's his reaction then? So, of course, this is all started because of him. So how does he receive right. this news? How does he react to it? Uh, and, yeah, in, in his perception of it. Uh, he enjoyed it. Uh, it actually changed his life because before that, he was determined he was going to be an architect. That was his goal in life. He, was, he had it all planned out where he was going to go to college, 
going to be an architect, the kind of houses he was going to build. And after the ancestor DNA, he saw the impact that science could have. And uh, now he's going into medicine. He's actually graduating college uh, with his bachelor's in pre-med in, wow, a couple of weeks. So it has really changed his life. Yeah. So one simple Christmas gift, it changes. It's, you know, a complete change for you and your identity. It's a, a change for him and his career path. That's uh, incredible to think what a simple gift, a simple project uh, brings about. Did you have any inkling then that your father, the one that you claim to be your father, that he really wasn't? Was there anything to raise some red flags before you found out this discovery through Ancestry DNA? For 20 plus years, I was a police officer. Right? That was my first career, and I got into aviation after I retired. So uh, I was a police officer, and I go to work the one day, and there's a message in my, my mailbox, my cubby hole. It says, you know, Bob, uh, your father called, call him at this number, and it had Joe, his last name, and a phone number, right? Uh, I'm like, well, my stepdad had just died a couple weeks before, and his name was George. So I'm thinking either it's a wrong number that, uh, you know, somebody just, the dispatcher wrote it down wrong, or somebody's playing a very bad practical joke. And in the police department, I wouldn't be surprised. Somebody I arrested uh, is just trying to play a nasty joke on me and calling, pretending to be my father. Right. So I go to the dispatcher that took the call and I ask, you know, hey, are you sure this is for me? She goes, well, yeah, let's listen to the tape. So we listen to the tape recording of the phone call. And it is this normal sounding middle aged guy who calls up and says, yeah, this is Bob's dad. And I'm in the area working and I just want to reach out and say hi, and see how he's doing and left his the name Joe and his number. Like, wow, that did not sound like a joke, didn't sound like a prank, and definitely didn't sound like a wrong number. So it kind of threw me off. Uh, but I, I ignored it. I figured, okay, it had to be a joke. Right? Uh, just ignored it. Uh, a couple of days later, I see my mother, who was still alive at the time, and I mentioned it to her. And she kind of got her, her first stood up. She was kind of like, are you sure it wasn't uh, Jerry? I'm like, no, it wasn't Jerry. Well, you haven't talked to him in a while. I'm like, no. Yeah, but I know it wasn't him. Well, it must have been a wrong number. And she wanted to get that story behind us very quickly. Right? And I, you know, with my stepdad recently dying, uh, I wanted to get that behind me quickly, too. So I just, I had thrown away the number, never thought about it again until <laughs> the Ancestry DNA came back. And then I realized, you know what, that probably was my Irish father reaching out to me. Knowing then that he actually did reach out. So Joe knew that he was uh, your father and he right. contacted you. Do you have any regrets that you kind of brushed it off and didn't call him back? Uh, I do. It would have been nice to, you know, know the truth back then. But it would have changed so many things down the road. So I'm not sure if that would have been for the best, uh, learning that back then. So 
things work out for a reason. And it's probably best that I didn't know. And he died, you know, a couple of years later. So we wouldn't have had that much time together anyway. Yeah. And, and, you know, there are a lot of these platitudes out there, but I was just talking to someone the other day and he said that everything happens for a reason and everything happens at the time that it's supposed to happen. That was what he believed. And so maybe right. that's, you know, kind of everything happens when it's supposed to happen. So you you find out about your family, your new family, in a sense, through the ancestry DNA, through this uh process and you find out at the right time so yeah you know we can't change the past we can't live in the regrets so uh, i think that's a very uh, healthy approach that you have uh, towards that then i'm assuming that you went and you met your family and so they would tell you stories you're curious you haven't heard anything about your father before and so you want to hear stories about him you want to get to know him a little bit more and uh, so do they tell you any stories in your first meetings with them? So at our first meeting with the Irish family, uh, my three kids and my wife at the time, we flew out there, we met everybody, and uh, you know, we're sitting around exchanging stories and comparing notes about, hey, you know, <laughs> we're the same height, you know, what size shoe do you wear? Uh, so we're getting to know each other and remarking at the similarities, not just in how we look, but also in uh, our mannerisms. Uh, it was amazing. You know, people I've never met, we all like to say. But uh, so during that meeting, Uncle Mike calls me aside the one side. He goes, calls me aside one time. And he goes, so, you know, your your father was a pilot, too. And at that point, I had just finished my uh, flight ratings, got my commercial license, got my instructor license. I was just starting to flight instruct. And he goes, you know, your father was a pilot, too. I'm like, really? He goes, oh, yeah. He, he had his license. He had his private pilot and his instrument and his multi-engine. He goes, but he wasn't quite a legitimate pilot. I'm like, okay, <laughs> what do you mean by that? <laughs> he says, well, he was you know a private pilot flying for fun, and he was also working as a bartender down in Florida. And he met up with some guys who made him an offer that, you know, if he would fly an airplane back and forth from Jamaica to Florida in the middle of the night. No, don't ask what's in the back. He can make some extra money. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, his last flight was he and a buddy are coming back to Florida from Jamaica. And they're flying about 100 feet above the water, uh, middle of the night with no lights on. And they almost went into a ship. So they, they yank and bank and they clear the ship, you know, no accident. And, but they realized there's guys on the deck of that boat that have radios and had seen them. And this is 1972, 73, somewhere around there, uh, when the drug trade is just exploding. So they realized that those guys on the deck, they saw him. They got to be calling somebody. Uh, instead of landing at their planned field, I think it was in Florida, they kept going until they almost ran out of gas in South Carolina. Uh, or Georgia, excuse me. And so they stopped there. The sun's just starting to come up. They land at the airport. They're filling up uh, on fuel. Uh, the airport's closed. So basically, they're stealing fuel. And they're just getting ready to leave when they get surrounded by the county sheriffs. So the county sheriffs surround the airplane. My father and his buddy are there. They're taken into custody. And the sheriff said, we're going to search your airplane. Well, my father says, no, you're not. Not until I see a search warrant. You're not getting in that airplane. So, okay, 
they take him, they put him, they bring him into the terminal building, and they're sitting there, and they're waiting to get a hold of immigration or DEA or customs or whoever they can to get a warrant uh, back in 1972, before cell phones, before the internet. So they're tied up there for a couple hours. And at one point, my father says he needs to use the bathroom. So the sheriff, being a smart guy, says, okay, leave your shoes here. I know you won't run without shoes. Go ahead, go in the bathroom. So my father went in the bathroom, promptly climbed out the window, ran across the field, got the airplane, and fired it up and took off. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yep. And he was last seen, uh, he landed in a cornfield, I believe it was, in North Carolina. And uh, he was last seen loading some suitcases out of the airplane into a taxi cab and driving away in the taxi. <laughs> Did uh, they not have his name or like, how would he not get caught afterwards? I wonder. Well, they did. And uh, the story I heard was he uh, hid in Mexico for a couple of years. And then eventually he got arrested coming across the border when they realized the phony ID he had. uh, And they found the real ID for him hidden in the car. So they're looking at this American and they see, well, here's one name. Here's another name, two different IDs, something ain't right. Uh, they call the U.S. authorities, and they're saying, yeah, we want him. Uh, but by that time, the statute of limitations had expired. It was over two years. They never found any drugs. They never found any money. The airplane wasn't stolen, so they had nothing to go on. And, uh, yeah, he was, you know, spent a little time in a Mexican jail and then was released. For those two years, then, he must have had to cut off tie from his family and from his kids. Oh, well, he didn't have kids yet. So okay. my stepbrother or my half-brother and half-sister are much younger than me. They're actually uh, – my half-brother is younger than my daughter. Yeah. And my Irish father and I actually got married the same year. Oh, wow. I got married at 19. He didn't get married until he was almost 40. Okay. Wow. So what a crazy story, and I don't recommend you as a pilot following in your father's footsteps. (laughs) No, no, no. But I do have the newspaper clipping uh, hanging in my basement. I'm actually looking at it right now. It's a picture of him standing on the wing of that aircraft and the newspaper clipping that says, suspected drug smuggler sucked. (laughs) Crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So as you get to know your biological family then, your Irish father's family, of course you have to process this. And you're doing so probably with the people in your life, uh, with your own family. So what were their impressions as you came to know more about your uh, Irish father? Well, it, it's just kind of like, uh, it's like an old tale that's being told down the generations. Since none of us had ever had a chance to meet him, you know, we're hearing stories uh, like the one about him flying. We're hearing stories from a generation before us, and we're retelling it to the generations below us. So, yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's tribal knowledge. It's just stories getting passed down from this person that we've never met, uh, but we're somehow related to. And do you think your mother knew that? your Irish father was your father, or do you think she really believed the Italian man was your father? It's hard to tell. Uh, the fact that her best friend knew. <laughs> sure, yeah. So yeah, she would know. Yeah, that would be that, the dead yeah. giveaway, right? Yeah, and uh, who knows? Maybe uh, 
until the day I was born. They weren't quite sure who it was. You know, my guess is mom was dating both guys at the same time, and the Italian guy had a better job, and the Irish guy was still in college. Okay. So, 1965, unwed mother, 20 years old. Yeah, she had some choices to make. Now, the Irish side of the family, the family you discover, uh, do they yeah. do ancestry DNA to confirm it? And so, like, you have the facts that this person is your uncle or this person would be your sibling or whatever relation they might be? Yes. Uh, about a year later, my half-sister did hers, and she came up as half-sister. And there's several uh, aunts, uncles, and cousins that also show up on the ancestor DNA as being related. Uh, I'm just kind of doing random questions right now that uh, turn sure. to mind, but, uh, and I'll probably put them together more orderly, hopefully. Uh, when you were sharing about your son wanting to get this test kit for Christmas, you then mentioned that your daughter uh, went on to do her own ancestor DNA. She confirmed what the son already knew. And, uh, and so that led you to doing the ancestor DNA. Why did the daughter then want to do the test as well? Uh, curiosity and also kind of a confirmation because my daughter is from my first marriage and my son that did the DNA test is from my second marriage. So the only connection between those two genetically, genetically is me. So she knew if you know she came back and they came back as brother and sister, then they're both mine. Uh, and it wasn't you know my two different wives having the affair with the same guy ten years apart. Uh, the you know it had to be that I'm not Italian. Do you feel connected to the Irish father? Of course, you feel connected now to the family. You've gotten to know them. Uh, the One of the last people I interviewed, they've gone to the grave, for example. They visited the cemetery where their parent, their biological parent is or buried. And uh, is that something you've done uh, for kind of closure and all of it? Uh, no, no, I haven't done that. Uh, do I feel connected? Yeah, there's a lot of similarities. I see some pictures of him, and I go, oh, wow, <laughs> that looks just like me. Uh, except he kept his hair all the way into his 50s, and mine's going. <laughs> uh, but yeah, aside from that, yeah, there's a lot of similarities between the two of us. So the newfound family, do they welcome, for example, your kids? Do they view them as part of their family as well? And maybe how do you stay connected now? Do you, do you spend time together? Do you get together once a year? Is there a family reunion? Like, how do you keep that bond of family together now that you've discovered it? Uh, there's some geography between us, so we don't get together that often. Uh, you know, Facebook, back and forth with happy birthdays and hellos and that sort of thing. Uh, my daughter is much more outgoing than I am. And she travels a lot. So if she is in an area where some of the new Irish family is, she'll let them know and she'll hang out. And she actually just uh, spent the night at my stepmother's house. And my aunt came to visit a couple weeks ago. So the three the three ladies got together. Uh, so, you know, there is some connection going on there. But it's it's weird because we're related, but we don't have any common history. And I think that's what ties a lot of family together is the, hey, remember the time. 
hey, remember that vacation? Remember that car we used to have? Uh, so we don't have any of that. We do have the genetics, but we don't have the history. Yeah, the only uh, common history would be, do you remember when that guy reached out to us and friended us on Facebook and uh, started <laughs> started all of this for us? But uh, only yeah. to confirm what they suspected. So that's, uh, that's an interesting <laughs> aspect of the story. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's your advice? Lots of people listen to this podcast. And, and I think, you know, one of the ways you found this podcast you shared with me before we started recording was, you just simply looked, you're like, is there podcasts or are there podcasts out there that share my own experience and that I can maybe draw inspiration from or hear other people's stories or that I can relate to? So so someone might be listening to the you right now share the, your story. And uh, what what advice do you give to someone that's maybe looking to do a test? Or what advice do you give to someone that maybe has just come to terms with some information that they found out? Yeah, I mean, I recommend the test, uh, having the facts, you know, the knowledge, but just be prepared for what you may or may not find. <laughs> it could change your life like it did mine. You know, and the joke with my friends is, uh, you know, that's, that's Bob. He used to be Italian. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's funny. Uh, yeah, you know, uh, that's something, you know, I, I have some good friends. And after I found my own cousin and figured out my mother's adoption story through Ancestry DNA, uh, you know, people heard it and they wanted to do Ancestry DNA. And there were some that I just said, you know, your father's deceased. You have great admiration, great respect for your father. And maybe you don't want to do that. Maybe, you know, just just let it be. Because what if you do find out that your father had another kid? Like, how are you going to receive that? Is that going to change your impression? So sometimes I encourage people not to do it, depending upon, like, their views right. of their family at that present moment or such. But but also, too, it's just fun for, for curiosity's sake to, to do the, these things. Uh, you found out you're Irish. That's why a lot of people do these tests. They want to know if they're Irish yeah. or not. And uh, But yeah. for you, it was like, surprise, you're Irish, not like, I want to confirm <laughs> I'm Irish or do I have any Irish in me? So, uh, yeah, it, yeah, you have to approach these things with, with some reservation if you wish. You know, it's, it's uh, peculiar, I think, unique to each individual and, and their approach to it. But stories like yours, I, I love them because... It's a story of you finding them, those people welcoming you, you meeting the 99-year-old grandmother. And so there, there is this connection. And then you hear the stories. And now you're able to tell these stories to another generation. So, so that's one of the reasons why you do these things is because uh, you never know what it's going to do to your life. And for many people, it's only positively changed their life as they discover their newfound family. Yeah, I'll definitely totally agree. Well, uh, Bob, I'm so grateful that you reached out to me. You're another example of someone that listens to the podcast and finally at some point said, you know, I think I should share my story. 
So you sent me an email. You sent it through the Fireside website. So you went to dnadiscoveries.fireside.fm, used the contact form, and then I simply replied uh, to your message. And and uh, I'm always thrilled when those emails come in. And uh, because you emailed, that means we can release this episode and share your story. So I'm very grateful that you were bold enough to do it, that you are confident enough, and, uh, and for your willingness to share, because I know that stories like this can impact others uh, in their own uh, journey right now. Well, it's been a pleasure talking to you. Thanks so much for listening to today's show of DNA Discoveries. If you enjoyed today's episode, and if you know someone in your life who maybe has found family through autosomal DNA test kits, you might wish to share this episode with them to give them encouragement in their own search or to share their own story. Again, you can reach out to me by email at dnadiscoveriespodcast at gmail.com or going to dnadiscoveries.fireside.fm and using the contact form page there to reach out to me to share a little snippet of your story so that I might return your email and invite you to be on the show. Another way that you can help the show besides sharing it with others is by leaving it a review on Apple Podcasts. Please give it five stars. Let people know why you enjoy listening to DNA Discoveries. I am very grateful to be able to share these stories with you, and I can't wait till I am able to do so next time. I hope you'll tune in again to DNA Discoveries, Stories of Finding Family.